fan. On demand. Log on to sportsnet590.ca. Sign up to automatically receive the latest reports, features, and Fan 590 show highlights. On the heels of the Stanley Cup parade through downtown Los Angeles, Hockey Central at noon. With Darren Millard, John Shannon, and Doug McLean, Pat Morris, and Newport Sports agent to the stars will join us uh, talk about Brad Richards and what he expects the New York Rangers to do, whether it'll be a compliance buyout or whether they will uh, keep him within the fold. I'm sure uh, he will be able to inform us of what the actual penalty is, which I'm anxious to, to get what that information, what the recapture would oh. actually be per year. What, it depends which, which year he retires. Yeah, but he would have a, <laughs> but Pat would have a vague idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I could put a vague idea when he'll retire. Hey, but now, not to you know, try to take over here, but. Well, you do that well, though. Thank you. What were you doing 20 years ago today? I was working at CKND in Winnipeg on a Saturday, filling in for Ernie Nairn, who went to the Pan American Games bid. Okay. And uh, and watching TV. You know why you're watching TV? Because there was a follow. White Bronco Day. Today's White Bronco Day, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And it kind of ties into the LA Kings uh, Stanley Cup parade. The parade was faster than the, than the well, so-called case. Here, the district attorney in Los Angeles was Gil Garcetti 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Did I... Uh, the mayor... Of Los Angeles right now is his son, Eric Garcetti, who set Twitter a fire, a fire yesterday with his swearing at the at the. Uh, Did the I bank. tell you my OJ story? Yo, go ahead. That'd be good. Well, I was in the Bahamas, and Jill and I were there over at Atlantis for a weekend, and Joe Ro- Roby, Joe Roby Stadium, Joe Robbie, yeah, Joe Robbie, his Joe son Robbie. Tim came up and introduced himself yeah. to me and said he, you know, because I was coaching the Panthers, on me, right. he said, "Hey, I'd like to." We're standing in the bar waiting for a table. Yeah. And Jill was over at the side talking to these two kids. And the guy said, hey, I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine. And I turned, and it was just two months after the, the case had ended. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, here's my good friend, O.J. Simpson. And I turned, and I was face-to-face with <laughs> O.J. Simpson with my hands stuck out. And Jill was talking to his two kids. Wow. How, oh, my God, I, I wanted to drop right there. Like I was, well, it just caught, like it just, I hated him so much and it caught me so off guard and I all of a sudden I got my hand and it's him. How come he didn't help him with the search? Well, yeah. Did you, were you scared because he was probably there Looking? searching for the real no, killer? No, but I just disliked him with a passion. I didn't even know him. Yep. The real, the real killer was at Atlantis for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I met him and I shook hands with him. Oh my <laughs> God, it was awful. Put it out there. Hashtag Hockey Central or tweet uh, at Darren Millard. Your comments, your questions to John Shannon and Doug McClain. But remember, Just the John show Shannon. is live 12 to 1 Eastern time. So if you're watching it at any other time or on the podcast. Don't tweet. Yeah, because it's all, it's all, we're already done. Well, you get tweets at 8 o'clock at night and saying, I just watched your show. So um, Richards did not talk yesterday. Brad Richards. I was disappointed in losing the final. Yeah, and, you know, he, look, Brad Brad made a big decision to go to the New York Rangers, and we know how many people were pursuing him at that time, one of them being the L.A. Kings, who were devastated they didn't get him. Remember, like, Wiki came into town with sure. the big entourage and did the big sell job, and 
Toronto did the big sell job led by Cliff Fletcher and Dave Nones. Berkey, I think, was away at the time. Um, but there was a lot of teams put a big play on for him. And Brad made a decision to go to the Rangers. This this would be this would be amazingly disappointing, not because of the money, because there's not that a whole lot of money left on the deal. He was so front-loaded. But he'd, he'll be really, really devastated over no, this. I, I give Dean Lombardi all the credit in the world. I, I think he's done a fabulous job with that roster. But they've been fortunate on a couple of instances. One Brad Richards, the other one Ilya Kovalchuk. Totally. Oh, yeah. Where, to- where now, they came but, but, second. But, but I don't who, think Brad wanted, I don't think, I don't, Dean I'm didn't. not sure Dean wanted Kovalchuk. That may have been coming from upstairs and that upstairs is Okay, close. the LA Kings were fortunate. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, no. And, and when you think about it, uh, how what would the chemistry have been like for the Kings if, in fact, Ilya Kovalchuk had gone there? And, in fact, w- would he have gone back to the KHL? L.A.'s tough to leave. <laughs> David oh. Booth, Billy Lino on waivers as we work our way uh, towards the compliance buyouts. I uh, want to uh, invite you to ask did the questions Aaron to John Shannon. I don't have it. Did, I, did Aaron Rome clear? I'm anticipating he did. So am I. So that means he would be the first. Okay, at Darren Millard, two Panther-related questions. Oh, there you go. Doug, that's Who yours. will be the head coach and what becomes of the first overall pick? Head coach is apparently down to Mark Crawford, Dan Bilesma, and Gerard Gallant. Yeah, I, I really believe that Gerard Gallant will end up being the coach of the Panthers. I, I believe that. I, I The question is, with Dan Bilesma... Can they work out the money uh, based on what he's owed and how much would the Panthers pay towards what he's owed? He's getting the money he's owed, so the Panthers have to just try to work out a deal as to how much they would pay of the amount he's owed. Yeah, and there's the top up. And you're, yeah. you're suggesting that that would have to go to New York for approval? I, I think there has to be some, there's something in there that it have, you have to pay the going rate. I don't know what the going rate is. I suspect yeah, you can't it, offer him half a million dollars. Well, that's it. I, I suspect the NHL NHL coaches today are somewhere between seven hundred thousand a year and two million a mm-hmm. year. Is is the going rate for an NHL coach? The two million being the Tortorella, the Vigneault, well, the Biles, last that's, summers. That's Bilesmas. Bilesmas, and I don't know if that's his, but you know. So, it, I I I believe that I think Gerard's the front runner, but I may you know, and I don't think they trade the first pick overall. I don't think they do. Montreal Canadiens uh, signed Dale Weiss to a two-year deal, $2 million over two years, and Aaron Rome did clear. Okay. Andy Sorensen, that was the tweet from Andy Sorensen. Carlos wants to know, after this postseason, will the Rangers finally get their fair shake of coverage, respect, recognition? How, how were they not treated unfair? I thought that they were treated pretty fairly, particularly as the playoffs went on. When you consider uh, that what they did against uh, uh, Pittsburgh, coming from behind and then what they did in Montreal. Even I, Philly. Yeah, although they should, I mean, Philly actually took them a little more difficult in the end than I think a lot of people thought. And we had the, and Mason was out and Emery played, which gave them a little break. Yeah. And, well, Emery won the first game though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not the second. But, it, it, but you have to look at how they got to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, the, the Canadians did the Rangers a huge favor by defeating the Boston Bruins. And you'd have to think that if the Bruins and the Rangers played, would the series be a little different in the outcome? And would the series have been a little different if Price wouldn't have got injured? Yeah. Although Tukarski played very well. He I wasn't, don't, he certainly wasn't, wasn't the issue. Was he it? wasn't the issue, but, but. Mike Anderson wants to know, what is the best the Oilers could expect in return 
by trading the number three pick. Could they get a center or a D-man? Yeah, it's a, it, that brings a good price. Uh, the number three pick will bring a good price because you're going to get one of Bennett, Ekblad, or Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, in, in that whatever order, you know, but you're going to get a pretty good player. Um, so, yeah, it brings, it, brings a, uh, it brings a pretty good price. Um, they probably are better off to keep the pick. At Darren Millard, as a diehard Leafs fan, and yes, we die often, is there any chance we unload Dion Phaneuf this summer? Any takers out there? That's from RMB. Shani? Uh, well, I certainly think they're going to try if they haven't been trying all along. And, and we may see something on the uh, on the draft floor. That, to me, is the only time that perhaps the Maple Leafs have the opportunity to dump them. When you consider that perhaps... Perhaps a team really likes and wants that number six pick that the Leafs have, and there's some way that the Maple Leafs can parlay that with Dion. I mean, that to me is the the one thing. Mm-hmm. They, after after July the first, his whole no trade combination kicks in again, right? Yeah. In the New Deal. So between now and June thirtieth is when they might have to try to do something with him. I, I for some reason, have a funny feeling he may end up in San Jose. I mean, San Jose is desperate to to make some moves. I keep hearing Joe Thornton could end up in New York and Dion could end up in in San Jose. Does it involve the first pick? I I don't know that. I can't imagine that Toronto, you know, uh, they might be able to make a deal without involving that um, because San Jose have left Boyle out and they they want to redo their defense and they're bringing Burns back to the blue line. They've got some good kids. I mean, obviously the... You know the the Olympian was is such a the kid on the back end. Vlasic is such yeah. a key guy for them that they want to redo their back end. So why do you think they put Burns back? Uh, you know what he really turned their team around up front, uh, but I think they, they they feel that to be successful, that big horse on the back end means a lot, means even more, and they're comfortable with the youth they've got up front that can fill in the hole that he creates. I was going to say, I mean, most of the season they spent without Hurdle in the lineup. Right. And so when when Hurdle d- did come back, then they had a little bit of a uh, an overage when it came to forwards. And with Boyle gone, I and I, you know, don't underestimate the role Larry Robinson has in all of this when you look at, at how he gets asked for his advice on, hey, what what happens with this guy and can Burns be more value to them on the, on the back end? Not to mention Dion. I mean, if Larry is there and coaches Dion, and all of a sudden you've got a Vlasic as your one guy, you've got Burns as your two, and Dion at three. I know it's too much money. I get that, but you know it, it would be a, a pretty per, it would be a perfect scenario to slide in and be a two three guy for him. But it, too much money, but it, it would. I think it would be a pretty good fit. On the topic of San Jose, let me ask you this: Do, do you see Marlowe going before Thornton? I think they're both in play, and I think um, one or the other will probably go for sure, and maybe both. Of them. How, well, how, how, as a former manager, how could you sit there and justify signing these guys to new three-year deals within the last six months mm-hmm. and say, now we're going to get rid of you? Well, well if, if Dion's the same thing. Right. Oh, I know. I know. It, I think it, that's a fair, it, I mean, I think it's a fair rash- question here, too. You know how you But they rash- have a different, they have, they, Toronto at least has a change in upper management. How you rationalize is you lost in the first round and you had a 3 nothing series lead. That, that, that changes the dynamic totally 
with how you're operating. And and you know what? Can you do you move both? Marlowe had a heck of a year. Marlowe had a heck of sure a year. Joe had a good year. Probably one or the other will go. One or the other. I don't know if both would. That's a, that's a bit of a gamble. Hashtag Hockey Central or at Darren Millard. Brett Weston says, give a Leafs fan some hope. Do you think there's anything in the draft to move up? They've been talking. They would like to move up. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they're looking where they are. And, you, Shanny, you're on top of the draft a lot more than I am. Is, Ellers, is there a chance Ellers is there when the Leafs pick? Uh, oh, yeah. He's in that he's in that six to eight range. He, he, I mean, he's he's between depending on what service you you look at and who you talk to. He's between six and thirteen. Right. So I mean, but and he's a huge talent, unbelievable mm-hmm. speed. But yeah, yeah. he's you know he any anybody other. There's only one player that's going to be an impact player, potentially an impact player next year. We're not talking about anybody that's going to make a difference to the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs lineup in the fall. The guy I'm hearing a lot about is Richie. Oh, yeah. Who we, uh, uh, you know, I got to see him in the prospects game. And, you know, I'm hearing that, Colorado, uh, that Calgary could step up at, at the four spot and take the, the Richie kid. He's, he's that. He's a bit of a wild card, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, so, you know, I, I think it's going to be an interesting draft. And it's fine to say I'll trade my first and I'll move down and I'll do this. But you get into meetings with your scouts and say, okay, guys, we got the four pick or the eighth pick and we want to move down to 10. What's there? And you say, oh, I'm a little nervous, you know. So it's easier said than done to move down. Sean Essery, can the NHL Jets really give up on Evander Kane? 23-year-old, 30-goal scorers don't come along every day. What do you think happens with Evander Kane? Because there's more and more talk that, for me, no, that the Jets may put him in play. I, I don't believe it. And, uh, you know, that, that is a, those are tough trades to make. And I think you give Paul Maurice an opportunity to work with him and see where it goes. Yeah, I, he, I would not consider I would, it right I would, now. I agree. I mean, this guy is, he's in, listen, is he immature? Yeah, he's immature. But, you know, there have been a lot of immature players in this league uh, for, for their first three or four years in it and then have blossomed and, totally. become, and become superstars. Evander, Evander Kane could be a superstar in this league. The problem, his biggest problem is he's ha- he hasn't learned how to play hockey in the microcosm that is Winnipeg. I mean, you're, you're identified everywhere. Everybody knows who you are. That's a tough thing. It, it, it's a lot different playing hockey in Winnipeg than it is, say, in St. Louis or, or in Tampa. L.A. Or even in L.A. Although, you know, I mean, people know who Anze Kopitar is now. Uh, you don't think so? Well, I told the story yesterday. Darren and I and Nick having dinner and Scott outside on the patio and Dustin Brown walked by us four times and nobody recognized Hold him yet. Twice. Twice. He twice. wandered around L.A. Live but and you, nobody uh, recognized yeah, but, It was more yeah. than... You may have seen him twice. I saw him three times. <laughs> you, you, Should Montreal I, let Markov and Gionta walk? Instead, sign younger players or bring up guys from Hamilton? Sign younger players. It's easy to say sign younger players. I, I'm a huge Andre Markov fan. The problem becomes term. I mean, doesn't it? I, I mean, if he wants three years, you're going you're gonna to hold your breath at three years. If he's happy to accept a similar paycheck that he's taken the last couple for two, it might be worth two. And they've got to get PK done first. That's going to be challenging. Do you have time to get PK done? First? Well, probably not. You know, but you got to. You know, the thing is, if you're going to have to pay key, uh, PK seven to whatever, what do you do with Gianta? Unrestricted free agent. Probably let him go. I, I would. I, I mean, you're trying to get bigger. 
your your I mean size is an issue still for Montreal when you consider that they're you know their most impressive toughest little forwards Brendan Gallagher I mean you need guy you need some bigger guys you know and and Brian Gianta has been a, a very good player for a long time but I'm I not would, sure how as effective he's, he can be in the next couple of years. Yeah, unless they get him on a sweetheart of a deal, I could see them going by him. Yeah. Pat Morris is coming up in uh, just a moment. Uh, any chance the Oilers take a run at P.K. Subban via a big dollar offer sheet? No. They may take a run. They're not getting them. You know, whoever takes a run at them, Montreal will match. Montreal's sitting with $26 million in cap space right now. And I, I just don't see... What would you do if you're the Habs? Because you could get backed into a, a tight spot here with an offer sheet. You could, you could, and uh, you know that happens. And teams typically don't let their best players leave. And with the playoff that PK had, um, you know where does PK fit? Dowdy's at seven million. He's sure not as good as Dowdy. Um, He's going to get more than Dowdy. You know that. Latang is at seven two fifty. He's better than Latang. So where does he fit? What what price does he get? Does he get a, a, the traditional thing now? Is you give the sweater number seven point six million. Everybody wants their jersey number as their salary, eh? It's a new thing, isn't it? Well, Sydney did well, it. Uh, that's that's one guy. <laughs> uh, I you know I I think Gretzky was onto something a long time ago, wasn't <laughs> he? he? Ever <laughs> the I, I would I I would say that I think that we're going to be surprised if July first comes and he hasn't got a deal in principle with Montreal. There may be a wild card out there, and and you know what for PK's sake, and you know what for the sake that. Uh, of those people that don't think that there's a lot of collusion going out there, maybe there it would be a good thing that there's an offer sheet. You know? They'll match it. Oh, they will. I, oh, I'm sure they will. I mean, by the way, the, you know, the max dollars that he can get paid is 14. Mm-hmm. He can get paid $14 million under this CBA with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Here's Pat Morris, Newport Sports uh, NHL agent for O'Reilly and Richards. Uh, thanks for doing this, Pat. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I guess uh, good afternoon now, yes. Well, you're, you're probably locked in a boardroom uh, right now. You have no idea what time it is. It's a busy when, time. When was the last time you saw daylight? <laughs> Not for a while. It's a busy time of year for all of us here. Have you had a chance to speak with uh, with Brad since the end of the Stanley Cup uh, final? Yeah, uh, quite often. And and he didn't talk yesterday, So and then he took some, some heat over, over the Stanley Cup final, and some of it were warranted, and some of it just... People are looking for an excuse and all this buyout talk. Uh, how, where's his head at? How is he doing? You know what? He, he and he's a veteran, so he's been through all of this last year when uh, the world thought he was going to be bought out last year, and everyone is expecting it uh, that it's automatic that it'll happen this year. So, looking at the waiver list today, his name's not on it, um, and and really. Uh, Effectively, it doesn't have to go on the waiver list, given that he's got a no-move and no-trade clause. But his head right now is, I can't control anything. I controlled my season. I had a a very uh, strong season. I would have finished first, second, or third on, uh, I think it's about 22 teams in the league. He uh, courted himself well in the playoffs as the semifinals ended, and they went on to the finals. People were exalting him as a, as a great captain of the Rangers and one of the reasons why they were in the final. After game two, he's an automatic buyout because he had, a, to his own accountability, a, a poor game in game two and uh, and ended up on the fourth line. So certainly that's in uh, the Rangers' hands as to what they're going to do. They haven't disclosed anything as of yet. I know they're meeting on various issues. They've got lots of business to do this summer, and uh, they'll make a, a, a hockey decision. I think they keep them, a business decision. They may not. Pat. 
Uh, explain the recapture. You know, we know his cap hit is 6.67, whatever. The recapture is the is the bigger issue. And, and exp- can you explain how that works and what the actual dollars would be if he retired at 37, 38, or 39? The rule was put in place for anyone who had a contract that was front-loaded. Um, that, that you con- invented, didn't you? That contract was registered, and that was the pre this CBA, and unfortunately in this CBA they created a new element called a recapture. So anyone whose contract is front-loaded and lessened as it goes on, and Brad's contract for the next three years is substantive, and the final three years is at a million, a million and a million. So if a player retires, they have a... Uh, a description called a cap uh, recapture where the Rangers, if Brad did decide that he wasn't going to play at that price or uh, couldn't play, that there's a cap recapture that's close to $6 million a year uh, for those three years. So there's On the a, cap. a dead, dead space. Yeah, yeah. So that's the killer when you really look at it, more than the cap hit is until he's 40. Or is that an issue too? I, I see it as a double-ended issue. The cap hit now going yeah, through. Either either way you look at it, it's uh, it's tough, severe. Yeah. Another way to look at it is, could he play for the next three seasons? Because he he's going to continue to train hard and understands that with progressing age, he's got to work that much harder with the speed of the game. And he and he did that for the first time with a new trainer this past summer. He's going to do the same thing this year. So yeah. he's pleased with this season at the same time um you know three years from now could a team buy a player out and it's still severe it's not buying out Mm -hmm. a million a million and a million there's a factoring in of what his cap hit is so there's not really any pleasant ways for uh the rangers to look at it and brad's the recipient of what their decision is you talked about talking to brad a lot have you had much discussion with uh, either glenn or jeff gordon uh, I've spoken to Glenn, and Glenn uh, was very, very positive about Brad's season and, and most of his playoffs. Obviously talked about his final not being what the previous three rounds were, but not every player other than Lundquist was perfect in that round. So he um, you know, was very pleased with his season, and from a hockey point of view, isn't against moving forward with him, but uh, it's a business decision that, that may be even out of Glenn's hands. Pat Morris, the agent at Newport Sports, uh, agent for Brad Richards. So do you have any indication of which way they're leaning? Uh, not as of yet. Just a gut feeling that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he's kept. I know that's uh, against, and maybe that's my heart speaking rather mm-hmm. than my head. But with the commentary from Glenn Sather, he was pretty positive about uh, Brad's role Um this past season, especially after Callahan left and his leadership and, you know, maybe moving forward at the same time. That's the hockey side of it. From the business side of it, they've got uh, 11 players they have to re-sign. So something's got to give somewhere or uh, that team's going to be a lot different when you look at uh, Broussard and Kreider and and uh, Zuccarello is RFAs, and you look at Boyle, Pouliot, Moore, and Carcillo as UFAs, um, and Falk and Moore as RFAs, and Strawman and Diaz as UFAs. So it's 11 players they got to attend to, and it all doesn't fit under their uh, current cap and where the cap would head to. 
Pat Morris on Hockey Central with Darren Millard, John Shannon, and Doug McClain. He doesn't sound as chipper as he usually does when he's talking to me. <laughs> hmm? Always a pleasure, Douglas. <laughs> what about uh, what about Ryan O'Reilly then, Pat? Where are you with the uh, with the Avalanche? We um, had some warning that uh, the ARB might be a situation that they take advantage of. It's within the CBA. Uh, Ryan understands that. Uh, he also understands that it's unique that. No player has been arbed for a pay cut that is of his stature. In the old CBA, they would, uh, you know, Zach Parise, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury were arbed by their clubs uh, more for the purpose of preventing offer sheets at the time. Mm-hmm. There's a new rule in place now under this CBA that an offer sheet is available from July 1st to July 5th. Ryan would like to stay in Colorado, uh, at the same time, a long-term deal has not been worked out or, or isn't close to being worked out. So uh, Ryan's unrestricted in two years, and, and under the, the model now, given that Colorado has arbed him, that uh, short-term looks like what the future is for Ryan going forward, possibly year-to-year so, year or for the next two years. So so he would take a two-year arb ruling and then just walk after two years, is not, what you're suggesting? Uh, not necessarily. We're not... Uh, or are you we, suggesting we a new deal may be ahead. done? We can't look ahead that far but the player has the right now that a club has arbed him the player has the right to pick a one-year or a two-year award right uh, we have to sit down with ryan and, and talk to him about what we're going to do on that or what the recommendations are and then what his instructions are so there's lots of work left to be done on that we're now preparing for an arbitration case that we didn't think we'd have to attend to and at the same time as of uh the 25th of June, um, people can entertain talking to RFAs, and he's an RFA effectively until July 5th, in which time period then it's just an arbitration case uh, who, beyond that. Who breaks the news to Ryan that the Avalanche are going down that path? Is it member of the organization, or do they leave it up to you? Uh, they left that up to us. So, That's uh, nice. Yeah, so, you know, what we had always talked to him about that, potential inevitability if there wasn't a long-term deal done so he he wasn't caught by surprise but in the end you always look at it some people might look a little sideways that a team has done that to a special player but they certainly have the business right to do it and ryan's mature but there's been a history a little bit on the previous contract yes and if i was a stubborn young man and knowing you like i know you you know i i would love to have been able to give let the let the player or let you hear the bad news. I would have loved to have had that be the case, you and are, I would have left that to you too. Me bad news. What you often delivered me. Bad news. <laughs> Pat, maybe I misunderstood, but you're suggesting that Colorado's uh, ar- arbitration figure is substantially less than Ryan's making. Well, you don't submit. Uh, they had two choices. Choice A was to qualify him at six point five million dollars, which was his uh, right. 13, 14 salary, and that would protect the rights to him. And they knew that if they did that, that we would reach at least a one-year deal, if not continue to try and work Mm -hmm. long-term. Their other choice was to select salary arbitration by the club. That's what they did. And based on that, no longer do they have to give a qualifying offer at 6-5. So the purpose of doing that is they disagree with the 6-5, and under the CBA... An arbitrator can make a decision as to what his salary is, and the minimum 
it can be is is eighty five percent of a six five. So they're they're looking to uh, to get a pay cut on a fifteen percent. But if, but if the arbitrator rules that it's six five, they've really lost nothing out of this, have they? I mean, in in theory, because yeah, other than other than Arby goodwill, best players, other than goodwill. Well, we have you, Pat. Uh, this is going to be the first full year of of the free agency window, and that and five five days mm-hmm. of the negotiating window. You, you had a brief taste of it uh, last year. How do you think that's going to affect the market, and and how does it help your job? It it allows you to talk to teams where you're not doing it on the morning of July first or noon on July first. So it allows you to uh scope out first of all is there a market for that particular client then is it a burgeoning market with 10 teams or two teams if it's a burgeoning market and the player you you get prepared long before so we're talking to our free agent clients now to get them prepared with who has need for your position uh who is likely to come after you and then you've got that five-day period to talk to gms to talk to coaches and you can't negotiate in that time period, but you certainly can uh, maybe put things in order. But, ta- but Todd, Todd, come on. You know why it's in there. Because now you can do it legally. What are you talking about, Douglas? <laughs> now there's no tampering for those five days like it's gone on for 100 years. So that's why it's there. Come on. I can't spell tampering. <laughs> so, but, but, but Neither can I. Just the, just the fact that the 30 managers and most of you will be in Philadelphia, does that not, like, is, do you see a lot of visitation actually occurring in Philadelphia? There, there could be. There always is with incumbent players. So if you've got player X on your team and time is winding down, there are always meetings at the draft to sit down with a, a manager to try and see if at the last minute you can close off on a deal for an incumbent player. Right. They'll have the focus. They've got a lot of hard work in those days leading up to the draft to uh, work with their scouts to select the next group of players. So it's, you know, it's everybody, one place one setting so it's it's convenient uh, a lot of in-person meetings i think are, are the expectation from our office i just uh, i mean case in point the whole vinnie lacavalier thing last year where he he got his compliance buyout from from steve eiserman and the next day was <laughs> was at uh, the marriott marquee in new york city in a suite saying hey i'll talk to any team and he had, i think he had six or seven teams visit that so day. we're we're counting on you shanny since you're going to be there as an insider to be on top of all these this things and getting it back to us at the desk here in toronto damien damien is the nhl insider between you and damien no, damien's the nhl insider. we're pat expecting morris, a lot uh, of information pat morris from newport sports pei on the deck <laughs> he exactly wishes. uh you've always been a great supporter of the show pat uh really appreciate your insight and on, on brad and uh and uh the clients and and what this whole landscape is going to look like uh, heading towards July 1st. Appreciate it, Pat. I think it'll be an exciting and volatile draft, for sure. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. Be good. See you, gentlemen. There's Pat Morris from Newport Sports. When we continue, your questions. Great insight. Great insight on the recap. I'd expect nothing less. Yeah. Players that we will ask (laughs) Doug McLean and John Shannon about. Martin Brodeur, Ryan Kessler, Jason Spezza. Doug still doesn't understand the recapture. He doesn't. He's he's acting like he does. He doesn't understand it. I totally understand it. HC at Noon, presented by Lex on the Park. And I don't care about it. Radio and television networks. Like free sports tickets, trips, and memorabilia so you can trick your friends, colleagues, and mistresses into thinking that you're some sort of high roller? Hey, 
Join the club. Welcome to the club. The Fan Club. Log on to sportsnet590.ca. Now, more Hockey Central on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Hockey Central presented by Lexus on the Park. Sportsnet Radio and Television Networks. The Rogers Radio app. You can catch us there. Also on our podcast today, Darren Millard's with John Shannon and Doug McClain. Taking your questions via Twitter, at Darren Millard and hashtag Hockey Central. So people want to know, lots of tweets about this. Where do you see Kessler going and what in return draft picks or a player ready to play now? That's from Kelly. Do you see Kessler's time in Vancouver being up? Yeah, I do. And I think that Jim Minning has the real opportunity to, you know, they, they need to change a little bit of the culture in Vancouver, even, even though it wasn't that long ago they were in the Stanley Cup final. But I do think that if if Kessler wants out, they will accommodate him and, and we're being told that he wants out. And I still think at the top of the... There's two teams that were at the top of the list, even though one has changed the general manager, and that was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was at the top of the list at one point. And Anaheim was the, the other guy at the top of the list. And, and I, I still expect something to happen there. And, and I'm hearing that St. Louis is in the mix as well on uh, on Kessler. And... Uh, Anaheim has two firsts and two seconds in this year's draft and, and some young players, so it makes that a doable-type situation. Spezza is out there, too, which maybe compounds it a little bit. I'm hearing that Nashville are in, interested in the Spezza situation. Well, Spezza, for a team that is a, uh, doesn't uh, go, to the, go to the ceiling on the cap, Spezza is a really good buy. Mm-hmm. When you consider that his seven million cap hit and four million cash, it is it wouldn't be that unattractive for some teams, and especially in Nashville, and, and with a new coach in Laviolette who likes to play an up tempo type game, uh, you know Spezza Fisher. Now the problem, the challenge is what you know they've got some good young assets in Nashville that they could probably make that happen. So it would appear that those are the players that are involved. Chicago would appear to be out of the mix now. Because of their cap issues and who they have to hire. Or, or sign, sign, I should say. Yeah. Well, you mean Taves and Kane? Well, next year. But yeah. this year they even have a group they've got to get done. You know? Four At or Darren five Millard, guys. Been hearing about the Kings dynasty all week. This is from Corey. Are the Blackhawks underappreciated by most hockey pucks? I think the difference oh. with the LA Kings is it's two in three. Nobody's done that in the salary cap era. Three straight Western Conference finals. And if the Blackhawks would have won this year, you would have been talking about the same thing. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm sorry, but I thought the L.A. Chicago uh, was the Stanley Cup final. I mean, it was that good a hockey. It was that exciting. It was that. It was. Um, I mean, I know it wasn't, but it was an amazing series. And how could anybody lose any appreciation for the Chicago Blackhawks with the way they played in that series? Well, and I, I don't think people have. To no, be honest, no I don't way. think people have. I, I, I think that you know when you have another two weeks where you you see the LA Kings play and play the way they did and really in, in many ways the story of the Kings for me and I'm sure you'll have your own opinion Doug is that they've uh, how they've adapted a little bit I mean 2012 they played the game one way it wasn't very fun to watch they ground you into the into the ice and you know we're happy to to win two to one every game this this team did a little bit of that, but also tried to score a few more goals. Well, yeah, because they had some different personnel. And right. Kopitar has emerged as one of the top players in the game, so that creates offense off that. Carter took his game to a whole nother level in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he was even better than he was in the Olympics for me. 
Um, so there's the emergence of, and, and the Gabbert factor, the emergence of Dowdy as a star versus a being a kid in yeah. 2012. Right. So there's reasons for the offense, right. but I agree. Yeah. It, 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 it was, but no, there's, this is no slight. If you looked, the Chicago Blackhawks probably are the favorite to win the cup next year. Isn't that what you said yesterday yeah, on the boat? And, and, and you, you look at the Kings though, you, in, in comparing them to the Blackhawks, when you look at the Kings, there aren't a really big list of cap issues for the Kings. I mean, Dean Lombardi's done a pretty good job, and they're a lot younger than most people realize. Yeah, very much. And where they're better than Chicago, and look, and and there's not very down the middle. Well, you go from Tave. even if they keep even if they keep Brad uh, uh, Mike Richards, right? They're, I mean, their center ice is amazing when you think of it, and Chicago's is good. Mm-hmm. Chicago have a good center ice, but but not as good as they, the they LA don't have Kings. that bonafide number two guy. That's that's the challenge. Uh, King Scotty at Darren Millard. Where do you think Martin Brodeur will end up next season? Hmm. That's a great question. He ends up as a backup somewhere, um, and would probably be pretty amazing to have as a backup if he's prepared to accept that role. And it appears that he is. Where where's a good fit for him? Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh have the young kid, is it Zakoff, that mm-hmm. they Zakoff, yeah. they like and has potential to become a pretty good goaltender from from what I hear. Um, do they go that direction? I I don't know. I, I think they're still really high on, on Fleury. They are. Uh, the year he had this year, nobody can complain. It was He was good. You talked about it all year, Darren, how good he was and how he rebounded from one bad game in the, in the Columbus series and played terrific the last couple of games. I mean, there are a couple I of... I don't see that as a fit. There are a couple of dominoes that might fall to that w- might make uh, Brodeur uh, a viable option somewhere. Like, what's going to happen with goaltending in Carolina or Washington or Washington? I'll throw out Minnesota too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, so all of a sudden, but I mean, I don't think Martin Brodeur is a July first signing, though. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's going to be somebody gobbles up right away. Do you? And what price point is he looking for? But if he's, if, you know, look. <laughs> He could have a pretty good run here as a as a competent backup for a lot of teams. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. A lot of tweets about, about Toronto. Yeah, I was going to go there. A lot of tweets about uh, Jake Gardner and his future. I, I don't see Gardner going anywhere. You know, I think there's a few people they've targeted to move. I, I still think you've got to be careful on a Jake Gardner because he brings... He brings that speed from the back end, and Randy stuck with him. There was a lot of talk about Randy not liking him. Randy stuck with this guy. How could anybody say Randy doesn't like him for what he, how much he played him last year? I don't the think kid, he had much choice, though, Doug. But the kid makes mistakes, and he still came back with him. And say, I, I think people are wrong that Randy doesn't like this guy. There's something there. You, you can't walk away from a guy that's that talented. I know he's got some, he's got some issues, but. In his game, but I, I think you got to be careful. You know, I, I, the big question for me in Toronto is, is is what kind of influence will Brendan Shanahan have on the roster anyway? Because uh, I think that's the big question. I mean, are, is there an expectation that he's going to go out and get the big fish for this organization? And in order to get a big fish, you're going to have to give something up. And if you ha- if you created a short list of, of assets the Maple Leafs had... Wouldn't Jake Gardner be on that list for another team to mm-hmm. to, to sure. go go to and say to cherry here you can have yeah. three of these five guys 
Wouldn't Gardner be on that list? Yeah, I mean, look, Kadri's on the list. You know, they're they're if if you're getting the big fish, I, I not. I don't I mean, know that you get the big fish for secondary guys much more often. And the big fish, you're talking Joe Thornton, somebody well, like that. Well, or the some, first overall pick. Or some, I mean, but Joe Thornton, how old? I mean, how much can you give up for Joe Thornton? Is this not back well, what to about where Eric we were Stahl? years ago? What about Eric Stahl? Yeah, that's a different story. You know, I mean, what if there's an opportunity that there's somebody soured on him in Carolina, or he's soured on them? Yeah, then that's a different story because he's still young. What do the Florida Panthers do at number one? That's from George. I think they keep it. I, I think if you have a chance to get Aaron Ekblad and you've got Huberto and Barkoff and, and the group they have up Bukestad. front. Buk- Nick Bukestad. Bukestad. And you, all you've got, then you've got Good Branson and Ekblad. And Luongo. And Kulikov to build your back end. People didn't like Kulikov last year, but Kulikov's still a pretty young, you know, he's 23 years of age. That gives you a pretty good start to a back end if you bring Ekblad in as a number one guy. I, I, I'll be surprised if they, if they move in. I, I had one manager tell me at the Combine that you draft the defenseman because there's, you will in years ahead be able to go out and trade for a young centerman. Young, young defensemen like this guy, like Ekblad, don't come around every I, once in a while. I was surprised at you know, in the spending the night but watching him in the prospects game at ice level. And how he was around the players, I was surprised at how mature Absolutely. and how good this kid was. I, he caught me off guard how good he was. Big, I think he's a good pick for the Florida Panthers. The big question that, that's out there by a, a few people now is how good can he be? Who is, who is, who's mm-hmm. a comparable? Yeah. And the, the, the name that keeps coming up uh, to people I talk to is Brent Seabrook. He's going to be a Seabrook type leadership style so he's, they're saying a two three guy well two three guy and have him for 12 years that's not a bad thing not a bad thing <laughs> at all a couple of minutes left rusty wants to know where do you think ryan miller ends up and did his postseason performance in st louis cost him future millions uh probably not because people forget that fairly quickly when they desperately need a goalie like like what does vancouver do for goaltending you know, I know he wants to be in California. That seems to be the the situation. You've got San Jose who are contemplating a goaltending move. You've got Vancouver who need a number one goaltender. I mean, are those two options? Well, the, the other the other part of that is is that the you know Anaheim has an unrestricted free agent goaltender as well in Hiller, and where does Hiller end up? And does that pave the way? And do they feel that between Anderson and Gibson, Anaheim's deep enough not to sign Miller? Now, with these uh, abundance of goaltenders available, did Edmonton move too quick to solidify their goaltending? Good question. Was that was that ever going to be uh, possibility? Well, I don't Ryan know. It, going to well, it, no, I don't think Ryan Miller, but I think Hiller could have been a possibility. You know, if if Miller ends up in Vancouver or in San Jose, Cam Ward may be on the move. Is, is there's rumors there? Yep. I mean, there could be an extra goalie or two, and all of a sudden Edmonton looks pretty good if they come with a big offer. Hiller is in the bad books, but Hiller's really the guy that got Anheim in the playoffs, did he not? Oh, Hiller! Uh, Hiller is is a pretty good goaltender. I mean, how good was he by at he the went, end of February, first of March? Well, he and he actually he went south after. The trade deadline day because he was a little myth that people weren't talking about him the way they were talking about Ryan Miller. 
Interesting, interesting draft coming up as far as all these and free agency day. Big two weeks for a few teams. Big See time. what Vancouver does. They've gone through a change in management. management. Yep. Mm-hmm. Toronto, segment of that fan base, expected more by now. Indeed. Hey, Shani, what are you going to do with the rest of the day? Well, I'll go home and do research and then come back and do Hockey Central. What are you doing for the rest of the day, Mac? I think I'll do the passport thing today. <laughs> oh, clear the path down there. You didn't thank your friends at Gibson's. Oh, thanks. Gibson sent a nice little package. Why just to you? Uh, I don't know. It actually wasn't just to him. It was for all of us? It was for all of us. It was, oh, it was addressed said to the ho- the Hockey Central panel. panel. You have mine. Whose name is on that you, you have package? Mine. I'm still <laughs> looking for my cheese whip.